The games just keep coming. We were treated to a double game week and the sailors go top. But there's no counting out the Jaguars as they keep their unbeaten run going. The Cheetahs toothless yet again, but when will things start looking up for Haugang United? Reviews, previews, rants and predictions, that's what's on the menu today. This is the SPL Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Farah. And this is Raushan. Now, we had our first double game week of the season and I don't know about all of you, but who doesn't love some good midweek football? Raushan, there really is quite a bit to unpack here, isn't it? Wow, there's so much, so much to unpack. I think the weekend section was already great and then we had the bonus of the midweek action. So, so much to look ahead to, look forward to. And I'm thankful that we got Kire Kamis involved on the podcast today. Kire, welcome back to the show. Firstly, congratulations on your Singapore Premier League commentary debut. We hope you enjoyed it. I think the fans did. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying my... I enjoy the weekend, full, full of goals especially. And at the same time, I, we were treated to a fairly or rather a good uh, level of performance for, from all teams especially uh, during the midweek matches. So, I mean, again, we're going to have maybe another round of matches on the weekend. So, I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, there's just so much to unpack by the way of goals as well. There's some refereeing decisions again garnering a lot of headlines. But let's not go there, shall we? Let's perhaps zoom in on the two game weeks. And Farah, you want to set us up for the review? Yeah, we're going to do something slightly different this week because seeing it was a double game week, we've actually picked out a couple of talking points over match game week six and seven that we'd like to discuss instead of actually reviewing it game by game because I feel like we'll never end if we go <laughs> by game by game. Um, with that said, let us start off with Haugam because that's the side that we actually had plenty to say about more often than not recently. They picked up a point, of course, against Albrex in that one-all draw at the weekend, and then a couple of days later, midweek fell at the hands of Balestia for their third loss of the season. Although, you know, we could argue that they might have deserved at least a point from that, officiating again, questionable, we can talk about it later. But, Hideo, let's start with you. It seems like they're dropping like flies. So what is going on with the Cheetahs? Because the last time we spoke and the last time you came on, you went on a whole rant about them. Has anything changed since then? Uh, I, don't, I don't think anything has changed. I think... Uh... They are still being bogged down by a lot of injuries. And I think Chawal is also now injured. I Let's hope that he's okay. But it doesn't look really good for Haugang at all. I think with all the the problems that they faced within the technical staff, I think Clement uh, was out for quite some time. And then the, the players are out injured and with COVID as well. And also the results are just not going for them at all. With the low in confidence, I really doubt that they can bounce back in the next few games. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe they are just going to throw... I mean, they, can, they, they have to do their best for the next few games in the first round. But maybe they are just going to you know, throw away this first round and see what happens. And then second round, let's try and bounce back for round two, three and four. But really, it's, I, I really don't know what's happening over there. It's, it's really difficult to tell and it's really difficult to, to, to predict what is going to happen and how are they going to change their game plan according to what they have at this point of time. Yeah. Roshan, Roshan, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with Hidir? I think we might as well just copy and paste the podcast from a couple of weeks ago and put it here because the problems are still the same in terms of what Haugang are facing. I think they still struggle to put together a coherent 90 minutes and more often than not, their defence is found one thing. Okay, there was they were hard done by by the decision that went against them against Palestine, but still... To concede two goals against a Ballester side who are fairly poor as well, I think that speaks volumes of the problem. Uh, granted, they have injuries. Uh, Kide touched on it there. Shawal Anwar, the latest to join the list. And they didn't even have a striker to start with. I think Andrew Moritz started as the striker or the number nine for them against Ballester. So there are some issues. But I also feel, perhaps, with Clement having been out for so long and Firkas taking over the, the reins over there, and they also have the Japanese coach who's come in, maybe there's a struggle for identity or struggle for the players to completely understand what is trying to be implemented of them. And that's the only reason I can put to why they are struggling so much. Because to go from 
title contenders to second last in the table, I think is very alarming. On top of that, they've conceded 17 goals, which is second only to Ballester. And <laughs> let's just say Ballester is not the yardstick here. So I do think there are big, big problems to uh, Haugang's game this year. It's sad to hear Kide say maybe they are writing off the first round of fixtures because on paper, they have a strong squad, right? So you can hope they will come back stronger. They do have young Lions coming up next. We'll touch on it later. Hopefully, that will give them a chance to get some confidence. But overall, I think it's been a very, very disappointing start for Hauga. But they have changed the way they have played since the international break. And they don't really build up from the back anymore. They are trying to minimize their mistakes over on that side. Uh, but then again, I think it, from what we mentioned in the previous podcast, the balance of the squad is a huge problem. right? And I think uh, because of that, they are always left exposed at the back with transitions and also the responsibilities of the team in, in both attack and defence. I, I don't want this to turn into a Haugang bash fest. Therefore, I just want to pick out the performances of Shafiq Ghani and Sahil Suhaimi in the past few weeks. I think Sahil is a player forgotten almost because of his injury problems. To see him come back from injury and score in two games running is quite good. And Shafiq Ghani, that cross, oh my, that was a... If there was a nominee for assist of the week, that would be it. Okay, now... <laughs> <laughs> Your turn, <Farah. laughs> No, actually, all I wanted to say, was, I, I don't think there's anything more I can add to that because I think you, the, both of you have completely said whatever it is that needs to be said about Haugang. And like you said, I think it's quite sad. No one wants to see this. We, we fully expected them to be title contenders, but they definitely have to write off this first round of fixtures and hopefully for the con- consequent one, consequence one, they, they would not, you know, it would be a different Haugang side that we see. So let's, Let's move on. <laughs> I think we've spoken about Haugang enough over the past few weeks. Now let's shift our focus onto Alborex. I think we sort of expected them to pick up six out of six points across the last two match weeks. But instead, they dropped four points with two back-to-back draws against Haugang and Geelang. And recently, reports regarding the search for our national team coach have placed Yoshinaga in the spotlight. So guys, are Alborex and Yoshinaga distracted by this? Is that the reason behind them dropping these points? I, I uh, would think that Albrecht doesn't have that much quality in the first place. Right? I, I, I feel that this year's uh, this season's Albrecht is not as good as the previous season. And that's why we can see the lacking in, in the cutting edge in the final third of the field. Especially when they played against Gilang, against 10 men, they should have gotten the three points, but they didn't really look threatening at all against the 10-man Gelang. So, maybe, of course, it would add uh, a little bit of uh, speculation with Yoshinaga going to be the national team coach. But then again, these are the things that they should be professional about. They have a professional job to do at this point of time, and they should focus on the task at hand. But Rosha, if you were to look at their recent form, right? I think two wins in the last 10 games, including the Community Shield and across from last season, it's actually, it's, it's not a good look for them, is it? This is my I told you so moment. In the first few podcasts <laughs> of the year, I said Elbrex will struggle and many people thought I was talking out of my, you know. So it felt like I was I was plucking at straws. But I really do think, I take this point completely, this Elbrex team, we often forget they, they are de- essentially a development side. So they've done well, so well over the past few years that they raised the bar for themselves. But this year, I feel their squad, apart from Tadinarelli, perhaps lacks the quality in that front. They do have quality players, but as a team, like to go up against 10-man Geelang for a big part of that game against Geelang and still not be able to find a breakthrough against Geelang, who don't have the strongest of defence. Yes, they have they defend well as a unit, but essentially you expect Albrecht to score. To that end, they've had 126 shots in six games and only scored 15 goals. I'm not a maths guy, but if you do the percentage, that's quite poor. So that's not exactly championship winning form. So I do think Albrecht are struggling a little. And the fact that you touched on, they've had two wins in the last 10 games, stretching back to last season, points to a bigger problem almost, that that there, there is a bit of a lull in this Albrecht team. So they're going to have to, I guess, up the ante if they want to even put up a title fight with uh, Lion City Sailors and Tanyo Paga United, right? So hopefully they can up their game. But I certainly think something is not right with Albrecht. And I don't think, even prior to Yoshinaga being linked to the Singapore job, something was already brewing there. Now all the more with Yoshinaga and the uncertainty surrounding him, I think it's only going to add to their problems. It'll be interesting to see if Yoshinaga leaves who comes in. I, 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 I hear that 
Yoshinaga might want to see out the season. I don't know if that's a good look for the national team as well and whether they'll be wanting that. So it's an interesting situation in terms of how that's going to pan out. But Albrecht has some problems, man. Yeah, I have to agree. I feel like you make mention of that lull, right? And the only thing I can think in my head is it's it's good for the league because now everyone's, you know, we, we, we don't know what we're expecting week in and week out. And that's good for us as fans watching it, right? But on, on the note of like Elbrex as well, you make mention of how they have raised the bar from, for themselves. So we are used to that. But I think as fans as well, we expect them, like every time you see Elbrex come out, you're like, they, they should be good enough. They should have what it takes to see out games. And like you said, especially against the likes of Gelang, who defensively have been very weak. So, you know, for them not to come away with those three points and like the dropping four points in the in the past two games, it, it, it is very disappointing. But good for the league, I must say. And and yes, Elbrex, when they are good, they are bloody good. Because in their two wins in the 10 games, I think it was 5-0 and 6-0 or what. So on their day, they, they can show up. It's just a matter of consistency. And again, that becomes a question when it's a developmental side, right? And... They, for long, used to be the best team in Singapore. Unfortunately, now they're not even the best team in Jurong East. So, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a big problem for them. Yeah, at the end of the day, again, I mean, we have to go back to the point where it's still a new team. They, they have a lot of new players and all that. But it's taking a little bit too long now for them to gel. Usually, by this time, they are already clicking maybe on third gear, more or less. But for this season, it's still at gear one or gear two, maybe. And I we don't see the potential. Or rather, I don't see the potential in this team to, to click because there's no organization, there's no not much uh, uh, teamwork in the way they play, not as previous uh, Albrex team. So I don't think there's going to be much improvement. Again, they are just going to be or, or, um, winning 5 nil in one game and 4 nil in another game, but the rest of the game, they are, should be playing at the same level that they are playing at this point of time. To that point yeah. about lacking any organisation and stuff like that, they're getting bullied in defence. We saw Sime Zuzul single-handedly rampage through their defence. How often does that happen to Elbrecht's backline? I can't recall much of that happening. So again, that speaks of problems they need to address. For the sake of the league, yes, I hope they up the INT so at least it'll be competitive. But it'll be interesting to see how they turn things around. Yep, certainly. And speaking of the best team in Jurong East, we can't end our review without actually talking about Tanjung Pagar United because what a start they're having. Just when you think they're about to like be handed their first defeat of the season, the Jaguars are like, nope, not today. Not today, my friends. Last weekend, they aged the Young Lions 3-2 and then in midweek, they turned around a three-goal deficit after the hour thanks to a Rio Nishiguchi brace and an equaliser at the death from Mirko Sugic. They really have nothing to lose and they're playing like it. That momentum, the confidence that's flowing through them right now, it is going to be tough to budge as we've seen on Wednesday, right, Hideo? Oh, I think uh, it was a tale of two halves for both teams. I think... Uh, Tampanese may be lacking a little bit of maturity with the young players that they have and I think Gavin also made certain changes in the game where me thinking that maybe they have, already, they have the quality to see through the game and took certain players out and, and then maybe uh, complacency also crept in uh, I mean Tanjung Paga is a, is a very spirited side and they are going to be like that all season long because of their togetherness their family spirit and uh, they have the quality, definitely, to, to spring surprises. And with Tempanis you know, putting their, their, their feet off the pedal and with Tanjung Paga giving a more spirited performance, they deserve that, that three, three goals that they scored in the second half. And uh, it's nice to see an underdog or I don't know what to call them, a dark horse or underdog, to, to be able to produce those kinds of results. And to, again, to make the league exciting for us to see. And I was thinking in the second half, oh, they are gone. I'm pretty sure now it's going to be downhill. But, wow, they came back in the second half, 3-1, 3-2, and the end of the game with a pitch of a cross from, from uh, Akari. That was a... Post- call him up! Call him up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used to be called up anyway. And, and it was a good finish to, to, the, to end the match, match week, Yeah. I have to be honest, I really did not expect Tanjung Paga to turn it around. Like he did say, I, I thought they were down and out. I didn't see them turning around. But week in and week out again, we always speak of their, you know, this togetherness and that spirit. And every single week, they show us exactly what's up, right? 
Yeah, to that point about togetherness and spirit, week in, week out, they show it. Cheeky plug here, if you have time, go listen to the final whistle with Hazrin Jailani because that gives you fabulous insight into the inner workings of what's going on at Tanjung Paga. I, I'm not saying this because I'm part of the final whistle or anything like that, but it's really a fascinating listen. But going back to that Tampanese game, when I saw, I didn't watch the game, I caught it on live score and I was like, oh, yep, here you go, the bubble has burst. And then Kire touched on it there, right? Gavin made some changes. So on Tempanese's part, it was naive, but I think it's all Tanjung Paga there because I felt they didn't start the game very well. They obviously considered two goals and then they were playing catch-up after that. But then they decided to press the Tempanese midfield. And I thought once they decided to do that, Tempanese couldn't deal with them at all. And I spoke to a couple of players from Tanjung Paga after the game and they mentioned they decided on the pitch that they need to up their game in midfield and press harder to get at Tempanis. And the point I'm trying to make here is we talk about the leadership that comes from Alam Shah, that comes from Hazrin Jailani, that comes from Indah Shadan. But even players on the pitch are stepping up and being leaders. And I think that's fantastic for a team like Tanjong Paga because you got Farid Samit with the armband leading from the front. But you also got other players like Blake Rishuto coming to the fore, Rio Nushiguchi jumping in and getting the goals. And then there's Akari who's... At the end of last season, he didn't have a club. Huh? And then last minute, he joins Tanyo Paga. And to come and play like that, I, I, I have massive, massive respect for what Tanyo Paga are doing. And all in a short space of time, over three years, and we talk about tangible progress, they went from not being able to get a win in their first season, got a couple of plucky results last year, and then now they, that unity is just pulling them through. And long may it continue. I would love for the league to have a team like Tanyo Paga fighting for the common man all season long. <laughs> the common man. But, yeah, I think he was... Sorry, but I got to interrupt you again. <laughs> it's okay. This is the story for this week anyways. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it was in your podcast, the Rita RR, where Sujis was saying how important Blake is right, to the team and he was mentioning about him organizing the defense and he wasn't just... Uh, uh, he wasn't just uh, Blake being important. It's the youngsters as well who shows personality on the pitch trying to take the leadership position. And I think this is key because as a coach out or outside in the, at the sidelines, you can't really do much. You can give a little bit of instructions here and there, but once you're on the field, the players have to take charge. And again, this is what we are not seeing in Haogang, right? So this is not something that, that is happening in Haogang, but it's happening in, in Tanjung Paga and we can see the results of it. They are second now. Right? Yeah, it, it, it has to be... <laughs> No interruptions? Okay, good. Uh, no, no, it, it's been absolutely, it's been great. It's been great to watch Tanjung Paga. Like, I'll say this right now, I am all for Tanjung Paga sweeping the league and like taking the title because who doesn't want to see that? Again, we speak about them being like, you know, dark horses and underdogs and they went from not having a win how many years to like where they are now. It is so lovely to see and it couldn't happen to a bunch of nicer guys. I I, I think it's great. It's, it's, it's so good. It's like Leicester winning the league, right? In, yeah, in exactly. Years ago, right? You like to have that kind of competition but at the same time, you also know that at that point in time, the big teams in the EPL are not performing really well but then again, it's credit to Leicester and at this point in time, it's Tanjong Paga United. So let's hope they can continue this and just bring a surprise at the end of the season. Yeah, 100% agree. Sorry, Farah. For the third time on this podcast, <laughs> someone's interrupting you. But honestly, we talk, all, all of us agree that they are the ultimate nice guys of the pitch and a lot of us, they are our second team almost and we are rooting for them, right? But what I love is, while they are nice guys, on the pitch, they are not nice guys. For that 90 minutes, they put out their heart and soul for the badge they are wearing and I think that deserves massive credit. Ah, for sure, for sure. I have to agree. And I hope I, I want to see where this ends up. If they can actually keep on their like you know unbeaten run to the season, it will be an interesting watch. But anyways, that's I feel like we're done. That's a wrap for the review part of the podcast. Before we move on to the preview of the weekend's game, let's listen in to this rant by a fan who has major concerns about the three teams who will be representing Singapore in the continental competitions. For this week's rant, I would like to express my concerns regarding the form of the teams that will be representing Singapore for the upcoming AFC competitions. While LCS seems to have stabilised their defence compared to what they had last season, the attack this year looks very one-dimensional. Most importantly, the team does not seem to have that semangatness that the other teams have displayed this season, with many players seemingly not wanting to move into second gear. Against Young Lions, the team looked 
uninspiring and their multi-million attack had difficulties breaking down a team of part-time footballers that are serving NS at the same time. Tampanese had looked good in parts for all their games, but they seemed to have difficulties keeping up the same intensity for the whole of the game. Against Geylang, while their fans are being outchurred in the stands, their team was being outpressed in the field. Against 11 men, Tampanese spent most of their time in their own half and they were limited to sideways and backwards passes. They were lucky to be bailed out through individual brilliance and certainly they do not look like the better team in the East as they have always claimed. Much is said about Aogang's fragile defence. However, their attack is equally blunt as well. Haogang does not seem to have a focal point in attack after the departure of Doi and it seems that they are unable to find a striker that can make defenders shit bricks whenever they are on the ball. I hope that the team does not carry the same LJ attitude to the competitions as our representative last year. I hope the players know that they are playing for both club and country and their success and failures does have bearing to Singapore's future participation in these competitions. I wish the teams all the best. Majula Singapura. Well, certainly some valid concerns from that fan. Thank you so much for your submission. We do enjoy giving the fans a platform to air their opinions, so keep your rants coming along. And speaking about teams that are flattering to deceive, let's start with the Lion City Sailors, who have a huge top-of-the-table clash this weekend. That's on Saturday, 9th April at 8.30 at Jalan Besar Stadium. Lion City Sailors in first place, up against second place, Tanjong Paga United. I'm pinching myself just saying that because before the start of the season, I would not believe it. Uh, quick team news for Lion City Sailors. I think Song Yong is a doubt with a hamstring injury. And of course, for Tanjong Paga, Sharin Sabrin, a long-term absentee, while the inform Akari Abdullah goes up against his former club. Kide, coming to you first. We saw LCS and thought they were back to their best when they smashed Ballester 4-0. And then suddenly against Young Lions, it's, oh yeah, that's the Lion City Sailors. We know back to 1-0 grinding out results. Is this a worry or does it not matter because they are top of the table anyway? I think at this point of time, we have to look at it in totality because they are going to play a lot of matches in the, the next month. And I'm pretty sure Kim is uh, somehow managing the, the results and the performance of the players. At this point of time, they are still sitting pretty top of the table, which uh, not, but not looking at performance at all, nobody is going to care whether they play well or not, they are still at this point of time at the top of the table. But then again, they don't want to expend so much energy uh, where they need to play Tanjung Baga on, on uh, Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. And they still need to fly off on Monday to play a Champions League. And Champions League is a totally different level. And you need to have your, your, your physical level to be at your best. And I think at this point of time, it's always about managing the physical load and tactical load and also the mental load for the players. Now, they, they've already won games. They are top of the table. Mentally, they are feeling good. They are going to the game against Tanjung Paga. Uh, I wouldn't say totally confident and on a high, but at the same time, they know that, okay, now we are still top of the table. We are playing the second one. Quality-wise, we should be able to take three points. But then again, we have to be wary of uh, Tanjung Paga's quality as well. And at the same time, I want to expend as little as energy as possible uh, and at the same time winning the game. And I think that is the most important at this, at this juncture because they want to go to the Champions League providing a good uh, level of performance, a manage, uh, credible performance. It's still a difficult uh, competition to play in, but at the same time, I don't think they want to get trashed. Right? And, and uh, that's what I think at this point of time, uh, what Kim should be thinking about or the technical team of uh, LCL is thinking about. Speaking of ACL, because obviously they're, they're heading off to Buriram soon to kickstart their maiden campaign, ACL campaign. But I think the frustration with fans a lot is that you hear a lot of their fans saying is, why does Kim Duhu not start with the best starting eleven, which we thought was the one we saw against Balestia, right? So is it is it because they have ACL on their mind, like you said, expanding as little as possible, you know, when it comes to this? I, I do know that Maxim has... Uh, not adapted to Singapore yet in terms of playing on an artificial pitch, uh, the weather. Uh, if you look at him playing that, that game when he played almost 90 minutes, I think he sweat maybe 20 litres of, of water, <laughs> I think. Right? But I think he's still trying to get into the groove of things. 
I think Diego now has after a year he has now settled in and he's been playing and he's playing really well. Uh, and I'm pretty sure at this point of time, it's difficult to play the first eleven or the best eleven all the time with games coming thick and fast. Monday, uh, sorry, uh, Wednesday, Saturday or Sunday, Wednesday. And uh, it's all about managing. And again, they have the quality and depth to do it. So why not use the players that they have to manage the load? Exactly. And they've been actually grinding out the results because that's the point, Rashan. Do you actually agree? Is this something of a concern or does it not matter because they're winning anyways, they're top of the table anyways? I can understand the fans' frustrations. They, they pay money to come watch games. They want to see the best players on display. So that's probably where the frustration stems from. But it's a catch-22 for Kim Doohoon, right? He has such a big squad. If he doesn't rotate, then people will say, then why you got such a big squad? He rotate, then people will say, hey bro, let me see my best player. So it's a really difficult situation. But ultimately, all that matters is they keep winning. And I think, yes, there's a lot said about them going forward. Attack-wise, attack, attack wise, they do struggle to be coherent. But defensively, I'm looking at the results here. They've kept three clean sheets in the last four games, which bodes well. And going, we know Kim Doohoon is all about structure, all about not losing first before winning, if that makes sense. So going into the ACL campaign, I think there is a base for the Lion City Sailors to build on of being compact, of being solid, of being difficult to break down. And to Kide's point, right, they are already top of the table. That will give them incredible belief. All they need is a draw at the weekend against Tanyo Paga to remain top of the table going into the AFC Champions League. So if they get that done, they will at least be feeling good about themselves. And it doesn't matter what outsiders are saying at the moment. If they get three points, that's all that matters. My question for Kide though is we saw Tempest Rovers in the Champions League last year and let's just say they got spanked, right? If that ends up happening, will that end up happening to LCS? And if it does, are people going to be as kind to LCS as they were to Tempest Rovers? I think we have to manage expectations. But I think at the end of the day, uh, even though LCS has spent so much money on foreign, their foreigners, let's be clear that these foreigners are more or less the same level as all the players that are playing in the Champions League for the for the for the opponents. Right? So our locals now have to match up to 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 that, and it's still a, a a big task to ask for because at the end of the day, you can't really expect uh, quality to be increased overnight, right? And we have to manage that. Okay, it's going to be a very difficult campaign, Asia campaign for them. And we have to know that they might... I mean, even Harris went on to say that it's going to be difficult when he played with JDT. And JDT at that point of time was more or less had a few years to establish themselves in terms of how the club is run and, and, and how the team is it was just at that point of time. So we have to be, to be managing our expectations. We know that going there for a win is very difficult. Right? And uh, let's just hope that when things don't go right for LCS, which I don't think it is because I, the way Kim Kim uh, wants LCS to play is very organized and very, I wouldn't, I would say rigid to a certain point, to a certain level. Uh, they won't, it won't be like four or five nil slashing, maybe an odd goal, one, uh, one nil or two nil. It's, to me, it's still credible enough. But again, with, with, uh, with the, the hope of LCS and Providing the 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 show for for Singapore for for the country, I hope that you no know, they somehow manage to win a game, uh, at least a game and or at least a draw uh, against very good opponents. Very good opponents. Yeah, we can't. I I certainly can't wait to see LCS in action on the continental stage. But let's speak about Tanjung Baga for a little bit. I mean, they are the only ones who've yet to lose so far this season. This is going to be their biggest test yet. Can they remain unbeaten? The golden question. Who wants to answer this one? I think. Okay, I think finally the the, the day they're going they're going to lose is going to come on, on when they play LCS. I think uh, they have played many games. Again, no matter how much spirit you have at that point at this point of time, no matter how much togetherness you have, quality will somehow show in the end. And LCS has much more quality than them. And let's be fair about that. And at the same time, they have played a lot of games. They don't really have a lot of quality in depth. To rotate players, they have the. I'm pretty sure they're gonna have the same eleven playing. Maybe Daniel Bennett coming in for somebody for Emery, maybe. But more or less, it's about the same number of players. Kairo Nizam is out injured. I think with a broken toe, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so they don't really have a lot of players to replace uh, 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 the players who played in the last two games. So that will take its toll physically. It will take its toll, and players are fasting, and you have to think about that as well. 
So uh, LCS uh, will have too much firepower for them. And at the same time, uh, I think they're going to somehow lose their, their record or their streak this, uh, this weekend. I, I disagree. I disagree, Kide. I, I think, I think, I think. Yes, Tanjung Paga. I agree with you. All your points are completely valid, and I understand about the team squad and all that. But scoring a late league equalizer midweek to keep the unbeaten run going will give renewed belief to Tanjung Paga. I strongly believe that, and they know. Everyone knows. Everyone's talking about LCS not being swashbuckling as they should be. So Tanjung Paga will go into the game knowing they are there for the taking. Having said that. I don't think Tanjung Paga are going to win. I think they will remain unbeaten and come away with a draw at least. And I think that's enough for Tanjung Paga to go to Jalan Besar and get a draw against the Lion City Sailors. That's good enough. And I think Tanjung Paga can take massive credit from that. To start with, I'm going to give the first prediction. I'm going to go two all between Lion City Sailors and Tanjung Paga this Saturday. Hey there, what about you? I think it's still going to be a one nil win to us, yeah. Oh, edge it very slightly, is it? Okay, I, I don't want to... I'm, I feel like I'm leaning towards Tanjung Paga, but by recent events, um, my predictions have been... Or... No, no, no. My predictions lately have just been down the drain, so I don't <laughs> want to jinx them. Um, so I'm going to go with a Sailor's win 2-1. Okay. okay. Make it that one, you will. <laughs> Fair, okay. try to play Murphy's yeah. Law. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I, I don't want to speak... I don't want to say anything about my predictions these days. It's just... It's shocking. It's shocking. But let's move on to the next Saturday Night Clash, also on the 9th of April, kicking off at 8.30pm at our Tampanese Hub, and that's between Tampanese and Alborex. No team news as of late, but let's just move on straight into Tampanese. We know the quality that they have, but time and time again, has their defensive mentality let them down? Wow, I think uh, this is a difficult game to, to predict uh, and to call a score because... Uh, Tampanese has been, I mean, they have played well in patches in, in the game against uh, Tanjung Paga. So especially in the in the second half, they were really, really bad. Right? And they gave everything away to Tanjung Paga. But they would want to make it right at this point of time, just to end the, the run of games on a high. And of course, with the ability that they have up front, they are able to score goals. They have the assist king and the top scorer at this point of time. And really, Boris uh, Boris has been on fire with all the goals that he has scored, and I think everything he has he has touched has turned to gold. Uh, and I don't think Albrecht has the ability and the organization, especially, to manage the attack of Tampines. Uh, the only way for Albrecht to somehow win the game is to capitalize on the uh, immaturity of the Tampines backline. The high line that Gavin wants to play, that is something that they can can think about and they can capitalize. And in terms of managing the game, uh, I I, mean, I do hope that the police manage the game better than how they did in in against Tanjubaga. They had a lot of possession, especially in the first half, but they had a lot of possession in the defensive third, right? And once they broke through, they managed to score and they created a lot of chances as well. But against Tanjub uh, against Alvarez. Both are, of them are trying to manage to control possession of the game, uh, but again with quality and with uh, familiarity, Tampines should be the one controlling the game on Saturday. And I, I mean, I, I I'm expecting Tampines to win the game slightly uh, with a prediction of two one. Uh, I am hoping for Taufik to score because I think he tried really really hard the other day to try to score, but nothing went in. Uh, and uh, again, Albrecht's not much quality, not the, the Albrecht of all. I, I just don't want Albrecht to be somehow climbing up the table. You know, I want Japanese. I, I mean, I have, I see good things in Japanese and I want uh, uh, Gavin to, to, to somehow, you know, uh, bury the 2021 season totally dead and gone. I do want to make mention because you said that, you know, Tampanese would want to put that behind them. But wouldn't Alvarex want to do the same as well? You, they, they, like, you know, we, we made mention earlier how their recent form hasn't been the greatest to win in the last 10 and all of that, and all the shots they've taken, but their conversion rate has been pretty dire, to be honest. So wouldn't Alvarex want to make it right as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then again, I think if, if you compare... 
player to player quality in terms of department i really think that tampines is more cohesive more uh, clinical at this point of time at the top half of the field and that's where it's going to matter uh, when they, they play against each other on saturday yeah farah i think to your point that's what makes this battle so intriguing like you did touch on it's so difficult to predict the score on this game because you want tampines to bounce back from the heartbreak of midweek and they have a good thing going on and you expect them to eventually come good right but elbrex also have what drop points in the last three games so they also will be wanting to put the right the wrongs almost so that's what makes this game impossible to call almost and then you throw in the mix of the league top scorer boris kopitovic scoring goals for fun scoring worldies for fun in fact and i think the tempris backline is uh, a worry yes but the elbrex backline is also a worry and that's something boris kopitovic will be licking his lips at and that what makes me look forward to this clash so much i mean i'll be honest i'll be watching LCS against Tanjung Pagar but the other game at Out Tampines Hub is also so exciting and I'm going to say despite what is going to be difficult to call I do suspect Albrex will win this 3-2. Oh, I had the same I I was going to go with the same. I was going to say No, you can. Albrex. You might as follow a winner. <laughs> I might just jinx you, you know. So um but yeah, no, I I really think Albrex might Egypt slightly I don't know I just feel every time when it comes to Tampines defensively in I don't know what it is in the state of mind when it comes to them defensively they just always seem to buckle and I want that I think we spoke about this last week I I want to see them get out of it it's been far too long I feel it's about time to get it together and match up about how, match it up on what they can do up front as well as at the back and i just want to see them get it together but i don't see them go, you know getting anything past elbrex so i think it's going to be three points to elbrex 3-2 similar to roshan i mean if you look at the qualities of the tempris players that they have in defense right irwan cha is not much of a defender right i mean he has more attacking qualities uh, as a defender as well and chris playing at right back i mean how many years has he been playing at right back practically zero right so in terms of defensive qualities he's pretty much a rookie and you have a very inexperienced uh, center back with Ryan Sanizal I mean they are center center backs but you and you are flanked by attacking uh, full backs and you are flanked by a coach who prefers uh, to play the way they are playing now which is to be to be proactive is is going to expose them Right, which is why I think now they are they have always been uh, susceptible to to opponents attacks and you know been considering quite a bit of goal. Yeah, whatever it is, this clash is going to prove to be an interesting one. Whoever watches Tampines against Elbrex, because I think I'm going to be watching the Sailors and Tanjung Pagar <laughs> clash. There. But no matter that's. Definitely going to be an interesting one. Let's move on to the Sunday clashes. The first one up is on the 10th of April at 8:30 p.m. as well at the Haugang Stadium between Haugang United and the Young Lions. Haugang will be looking to get back to winning ways against the Young Lions, who themselves are looking to get their first point on the board. So, Hidir, let's come to you since you know you love talking about Haugang. How much should they worry if they don't get a result here? They should have been worried since. Match day two or match day three. I don't think they should be starting to worry now, right? Because now they are second. Even last. more worried. Even, uh, even more okay, worried. Even more worried. Yeah, but uh, they should be worried because when young lions play against LCS, they play really well, right? For for big chunks of the game, and the only problem was that they couldn't score. And again, with a, a very young team like this lacking in in uh, firepower, you sh- that should be expected of them. But they tried. They had a lot of shots. I was watching the game on TV and I had my laptop on to watch the other game right so I I saw Hassan save so many shots and uh, although it was a team shot it was still on target and if let's say against Haugang uh, with Haugang defense being so penetrable with I mean not not to 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 discredit Ridwan but Ridwan is no Hassan Sani right so at any point of time it's going to be a, a tough task to ask what Uh, Hassan has been doing for LCS for him, for him to be doing in Haugang right so uh i i'm really worried for Haugang actually i mean i'm worried for Haugang because they haven't been looking convincing at all and they don't look like they're going to turn any corners at all 
with uh, young lions producing good performances, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time where suddenly in one game, everything just clicks. And I think this is going to be the game for young lions where they're going to score a few goals and uh, pile on the misery for Hogan. No, I, I actually want to look, we have to give massive props to the Young Lions because they have been so incredibly commendable. They haven't gotten a single win. You know, there's four losses on the board for them. But they've, they, they've, been, they've played really well. It's just the results that haven't followed. They just kind of lack that slight cutting edge and, and basically the finishing to get over the line because they really have been quite... They've played quite well, haven't they? I mean, I, I just feel... I agree to your point. I think this weekend might be the time where they would finally get their first points on board. I see them actually edging past Haogang, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, it's not looking good for Haogang. I'm even more worried for Haogang than I already was, Raushan. Yeah, on, on paper, I think the Young Lions will look at this and say, yeah, it's time to turn good performances into points, right? Because the performance against LCS came without Ilhan Fandi and Zulkainan Susliman, who essentially are the uh, Young Lions' best players. So if they can do that without those two guys, Hopefully, those two guys come back for this weekend. But even without those two guys coming back, I do think Young Lions are going to cause massive, massive problems for Haogang. Haogang, it's a, it's a confidence thing. For the, for the lack of a better example, look at Everton in the Premier League. They are so bereft of confidence at the moment that they cannot do anything right, right? And I think, unfortunately, that's the case for Haogang at the moment. So, I do think the Young Lions will be licking their lips at the prospect of getting one over Haogang. And I suspect this one will be... A step too far for Haogang to turn things around. I'm, I think it's a clean sweep here where all of us are predicting the Young Lions to, to go out and get a victory. And I suspect I'm going to put the score first. I think the Young Lions are going to do well and going to do very well. They're going to win three ones against Haogang United. Either your predictions? 2-0, Young Lions. 2-0, okay. I'm going to go 2-1, Young Lions. I wow. give okay. a chance. Wow. Give our gun a chance, okay? <laughs> All right. Let's move Again, on. Zero, oh, zero points. Stand by for... Stand by to get called out for Stand by to get called out. I really thought I was going to get... If anyone remembers, Roshan, do you remember what I said? Um, My predictions for Haogang Alborex. Oh, I, I don't recall. Like, I said they were going to get massacred. Oh, yes. yes. They, they did not get massacred. Mm, so, mm, again... Mm. Onto my point of my predictions just going downhill. Anyways, let's move on to the last game of the weekend. Geelang International up against Palestra Kalsa at our Tampanese Hub. 8.30pm Sunday, the 10th of April. A little bit of team news for the Eagles. Zuzul, Vincent and Hazwan and Abdil all remain doubts while Faisal Roslan is, of course, suspended. Now, let's begin with Palestra. I feel like we've given them plenty of grief over the past week or so. But for a site that Akbar says is claiming to be, you know, in the works, in progress, it really is not the worst, is it? I mean, they've played all these games, they've won twice, drawn once and lost thrice. And they're not bottom of the table. So, I mean, is it really all that bad if we look at things considering? I think, again, it's a process. I, Akbar is a very process-based coach. And uh, I mean, he knows what the team is lacking. And I think the first few games, he has been uh, analysing his own team more than the opponents, I guess. And uh, at this point of time, he knows that the ability to defend now will win him games. Or rather, at least not lose, right, to draw. Uh, and we, show, we, we saw against, uh, against uh, Aogang that they have the ability to defend much, much better than they have defended the last few games. And I think there's something to build on. And it is something that they should be uh, thinking about. Uh, hey, this is something that we can do. Let's build on this. And we have the three, the three samurai warriors up front for, for them to score the goals. And uh, you know, let them do their job to score. And then let's do more responsibility, be more responsible in, uh, in our defending. And against Gelang, who to me at this point in time... Pretty, pretty decent um, uh, performances the last few games. I would say, especially against Tampanese. Uh, when they played with 11 men, right? they put in good performances, but it's not just, it's just not translated to, to good results, uh, to three points. And I, I think that at this point of time, Geelang, in terms of players to players, comparing to Ballester, they I think they have better quality. And uh, uh, it's going to be a tough task for Bruno to be marking Zuzul. It's a tough task to... To, for, tough task for Bruno to mark uh, anybody to be fair. 
Meow. The claws all come out already. Yeah. And and because of that, I think that I mean, if Zuzu plays, if he if he's okay to play, I think it's going to be a difficult uh, task for for Belasir to defend. And and uh, even though they can score, they should be conceding as well in this game. Right, and it should be. I mean, my prediction. Uh, let me call it out first. I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Roshan. Yeah, I, I, I am excited by this clash because I expect there to be goals. This game will prove to be goals, and I take your point about Ballester when you look at the record of winning two, drawing one, losing three. But that defense has considered so much, uh, barring the Haugang result, that it still worries you whether they can, they can put up their performance, that Haugang defensive shape will be replicated over the weekend. And then you talk about Geelang's injuries. If they are missing Zuzul, Vincent and Hazwan, that's huge, huge blow to Geelang's prospects. Because whenever you see Geelang make substitutions, they don't have the best quality coming off the bench. I'm sorry, but this is true. I These are not clause. These are facts. <laughs> that they, they, do, they do have a good eleven. But beyond that, they don't have much. So if the injuries are to be believed, I think Geelang will struggle. And Ballester might... We touched on it there. The three samurai warriors who who can attack, can do attack, uh, can can cause damage, right? And then you talk about Abdil being a doubt, Faisal Roslan being suspended. The Gelang defense is going to be there for the taking. So I suspect there to be goals in this game, and I suspect Balestia are going to win this three two. Mm. I agree on the big, there being goals in this game. I expect plenty of goals in this one as well. So I'm just going for a three all draw because <laughs> all cannot defend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that be a super Sunday clash. Yes, I, I, I agree with what I was trying to say. Gilang is like two or three injuries away from a crumble, right? They don't really have anybody else to come in. It's always Faris coming in for Hazwan when Hazwan gets cramped in the 60th or 70th minute, and then uh, at this point of time, Hazwan I think is injured with I think a muscle injury or, or the thighs, if I'm not wrong. And then uh, I I kind of found out that Vincent Bezakor is playing with an injury at that game. Right? So, let's see how they respond to treatment and let's see whether they can get back to the field or not. But And the point about treatment also is they only played on Wednesday, yeah, so yeah. they don't have much, much much time to recover. Yeah. So, it's not like they have one week to recover. It's, it's no time for training. It's just recovery. So, yeah. even if, for example, Vincent takes to the pitch, he's not going to be 100% fit. I don't think Hazwan is going to take to the pitch because he looked in a bad way when he came off. So, there are massive worries for Geelang and I think Ballester, yes, they struggle in midfield. I don't think they have a midfield. Sometimes they struggle and that's why their defence lacks so much cover. But that's why I think they will count on their three Japanese men to get the job done against Geelang. Yeah, but I think Noali wanted to play, right? So maybe he can put himself in. <laughs> he, he did, he did, he did yeah, mention he, he might want to play as well. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if, if that happens, whether he uh, registers himself <laughs> in time to uh, get a run out. Don't give him the idea. I feel like you had idea. You probably want to get hey, on the I'm just going to say it there. I think Bruno might struggle against No Ali as well at his age. <laughs> Oops. Well, at, well least, yeah. at least he managed to convince the ref to overturn his edition. Yeah, at least the centre-back is intimidating someone, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, that's our review Preview and predictions done and dusted. But before we move on to our captain speak, let's hear from our very own favorite, Mystery, for his predictions of the weekend. It's David versus Goliath, a team filled with money against a team filled with determination and greed. At the end of the day, money trumps. Lion City Sailors 2, Tanjung Paga 0. How on earth do you lead a game 3-0 in the second half and end up not winning it? Tampines Rovers showed you how. They are not going to recover from this mentally. Outbreaks 2, Tampines Rovers 1. How can United go from bad to worse every week? But it's a young Lions team. No way How can lose this one. How can United 2, Young Lions 1. It's the Simei Zuzul derby and he'll be fired up for this one. Geelang United finally to return to winning ways. It's Geelang 3, Ballester 2. There we have it, Mr. Ree again with his predictions. Never want to mince his words. I like how he keeps things rhyming as well, always keeping us entertained. Thank you, Mr. Ree, for your submission. Moving on, Captain Spick. Farah, you want to set us up for this one? 
Of course. Well, guys, Raushan is on a roll and I'm just tumbling down a flight of stairs with my <laughs> on both my predictions and my captain's pick. Now, he's picked up 10 points last week thanks to that Ryo Nishiguchi brace. So, Hideo, I don't want to start with him because I'm bitter. So, let's start with you this week. Who is your captain's pick? Wow, I think this is a difficult call to make. Uh, Kim Shin Wook, I don't think he's going to score this, 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 this week. Uh, Zuzu don't know whether he's playing or not. Uh, wow, wow, I don't, I don't. I say first, I say first before anybody takes mine. No, he there, you wait. Okay, Boris, okay. I pick Boris. I pick oh, Boris. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say <laughs> Boris. Oh, man. You can okay, pick I'm going to mind. go for Topic Supano. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I'm just okay. I'm going to. I, I saw he how, how how much he tried the other day and how frustrated he was not being able to get on the squash sheet. And I think this week he's going to somehow redeem himself. So Taufik, please score for two goals for me this week. Please, sir. He said, please, okay, Taufik. <laughs> Roshan. Okay, now that you losers are done, if I can chime in here. Uh, my pick for this week will be wow. Taniguchi. Rio Taniguchi is going to have a good ga- game against Gelang because I think Gelang's defense is there for the taking and... Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we count on the Japanese to get the job done for Ballastia. I'm counting on the Japanese to get the job done for me. So yeah, that's my captain's pick. Lovely, lovely stuff. We'll see how. I feel like, Rasha, you know, we, we speak about the whole day about how, you know, confidence and momentum is going to, you know, pick you through and like drive you through. But I hope for my sake that your run ends today. <laughs> It's been fabulous. Like it's been fabulous getting Kide's invite as well as uh insight as well as uh Farah's hopes of trying to win Captain's Pick. Farah, wish you all the best, Kide. Thank you so much for your time of joining us on the podcast. We will have you on the show very soon again, listeners. We hope you enjoyed it. Do like, share, and subscribe and continue to support the channel as we continue to enjoy the football. We'll see you on the next episode.